it was hard. It was really hard. And that's really scary when the first day is really hard and you're like, oh, you know, I only have like another 150 of these to go. No big deal. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. On this episode, we'll hear about a woman who decided to run away from the rat race, all the way from New York to San Francisco. Christina Lee should have been having the time of her life in her early 20s, living in New York City. The truth is, is that I wasn't all that happy. I wasn't very secure in myself. And that led to a lot of jealousy and a lot of comparisons and a lot of, if you're doing well, I can't do well too. Like, I I just so fundamentally viewed the world as this zero-sum game. And I think that made me miserable because nobody wants to live like that. Like, you don't want to live always comparing yourself and always feeling bad about yourself. When did you think to yourself, well, I'm going to run across America then? So I was sitting in my room alone as usual, and I was thinking, you know, I want to have a bucket list. And I had written a few things, and they were pretty cliche. It was like, learn to play the guitar, or learn to speak Spanish, or uh, what else did I have on there? Oh, I wanted to learn to barbecue really well, so I wouldn't be embarrassed about barbecuing. And then when I was on Facebook... such a weird thing to be embarrassed about, by the way, (laughs) to be embarrassed about how you barbecue. I know, but you have to understand I'm the only girl in a in a group of all guys. My family, I only have brothers. And so they would always go to the football games and they would barbecue. And I was like, I want to know how to do that. Like, I want to have that skill. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was on Facebook and I was looking at the stuff that I had written down. And that very moment, I don't know, fate, whatever you want to call it, Someone on my newsfeed had shared a a post from someone who was running across the country to raise money for a lung cancer charity. And I looked at that and I looked at my list and I was like, oh, man, this like, oh, gosh, I got to step up my game. And so I put it on my list. But as soon as I put it on my list, it scared the bananas out of me. So I threw my list away because I was like. Yeah, yeah, that totally solves it. Like, you put it on the list. If you throw the list away, it doesn't exist. But of course, that's not how it works. But she couldn't forget the idea. So Christina started planning her run. She bought a giant running stroller to push her gear and named it Thor. She typed New York to San Francisco into Google Maps. And she picked a charity. Her run would raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. So can you tell me about your first day? It was, it was not as romantic as I would have liked. Um, it was hard. It was really hard. And that's really scary when the first day is really hard and you're like, oh, you know, I only have like another 150 of these to go. No big deal. So I woke up and I had to get the baby stroller, had to get Thor from my apartment out to the beach because I was going to start with my feet in the Atlantic Ocean and, you know, go to the Pacific Ocean. And so Thor is huge. It's a running baby stroller. It's not one that you take to stores. Getting that down the stairs and onto a subway was anything but fun. And then it was an hour and a half ride out to the beach. 
And then I felt like an utter fool because I wanted to take photos of the beach, uh, but I had no friends there. And so I was like taking a selfie with my baby stroller filled with equipment. And so I just felt foolish. And then I started running and it was a really hot day. So now I'm feeling silly and I'm running through New York with this baby stroller and there were tourists everywhere. And so it was really hard to make progress and I was really hot and and it was just all around like not a really great experience. And by the time I finished running for the day and went to to go back home, because the first night I stayed in my apartment, I was only, you know, 15 miles away. And so I, I put the baby stroller back on the subway. I was just really doubting why I had done it already. In my first week, I got sick. I ate something that made me really sick. And I was out on backcountry roads and I called my mom and I said, I can barely move. I'm so ill. I, I don't know what to do. I'm in between towns. And she said, okay, let me try to, to get in touch with someone who could come pick you up. But it was a Sunday. And so nobody, nobody was available. And so I just laid down on the side of the road, like face down. And I was like, I'm in so much pain. And there's literally nobody in the world who could come and get me and come and help me. And so I think that that was the first time that I just felt utterly alone. Christina pushed on to the next town, but she still had a huge task in front of her. She crossed the Midwest and the Great Plains, averaging more than 20 miles a day pushing her 70-pound stroller. When she got to Wyoming, she was about halfway to her destination, but the hardest part was still to come. When you're so exhausted already, and then you go into a state where every single day you have a 30 mile an hour headwind, like buffeting the front of this uh, basically wind sail. Like that is what a baby stroller is in Wyoming. It's a wind sail because it has this huge flat surface area in front. And so there were times when I would have to lean into this baby stroller to push it downhill because I was coming through, you know, a canyon and the wind was rocketing up the canyon and the baby stroller would roll uphill instead of downhill. It, it took every ounce of energy that I had um, and every like last scrap of willpower to make it across Wyoming. Up until now, Christina usually made it to a town by sunset, but things are more spread out in the West. I had just slept at a gas station, and it was one of the worst nights of this entire thing because the tent kept getting blown away, and so I didn't sleep hardly at all. It was so loud, and there was sand coming in through every crack. So the next morning I woke up and I wasn't scheduled to have a place to stay. I was going to have to camp again. It was a little demoralizing after having not slept at all and then having to face off against the wind again and knowing that you didn't have a place to stay again that night. And all you see is mountains and, and kind of like prairie sort of like wild grasses and cars zooming by on, on the freeway. So she called her mom to see if anyone in the next town could help and a hotel owner offered to pick her up along the highway. 
So I get in the truck and he starts driving up the freeway a little bit, but almost immediately pulls off onto a dirt road. It's hard if you're not there to understand what this was like, but I swear to God, all you can see is the mountain and then flatness. So I'm just staring out the passenger side window and he says, we're almost there. And so I, I look up and I see nothing. All I see is flat prairie. And so I'm like, we're almost there. I can't see anything anywhere. What do you mean? And about 20 seconds later, he makes this very, very sharp turn that takes us pretty steeply down the side of a hill. And there's this entire town there. It's like the cutest, most amazing town you've ever seen. And it just took my breath away. And it was nestled against the side of this kind of drop-off, like in the shadow of the mountain. And when I get to the B&B, it's so luxurious and the people there are so nice. And so I go down for dinner and it turns out that the wife was a Michelin-trained chef. When you thought that you were going to have to eat beef jerky out on the side of a dirt road for another night, instead you're having like wine-braised pork chops and it turned out that there was a BP executive there. And so, you know, she had heard what I was doing and so she gave a donation and it was just this whole magical moment. And like, it was all totally hidden before we took that left-hand turn. It's funny because I'm thinking about you describing how you were before this run and to think of you yeah. in, in some guy's pickup just kind of going <laughs> along for the ride. Like, was that a hard thing to, to kind of make that turn? Did that take a long time? I think that it was so gradual that I didn't even notice it happening, but you have to trust people. You can't not trust them because if you keep them at arm's distance, you're not going to let them, you know, pick you up in their truck and drive you to, to like what looks like a remote dead end. In order to receive help, you have to believe that they're good people. And so there's, there's definitely like this amazing part of being helpless in a way that that forces you to see the good in others because without it you're on your own. With her growing faith in the kindness of strangers, Christina set out from Elk Mountain, Wyoming, continuing her westward run. But she still had to cross the desolate Bonneville salt flats in Utah. It's white for as far as you can see. It's it's very very flat and the ground isn't sand. It's dirt that's crusted over with salt. It's crunchy and it has these really beautiful cracks running through it. And all along the freeway, people have left messages. You know, I love so and so or hey there, have a good day, or I was here. And so you kind of go through this very, very flat, very monotonous land with these moments interspersed every couple feet from people you've never met. And it's a really fun experience. So what happened when I was going through Utah is that I was running down the freeway with my baby stroller and this guy was opening a pack of gum and it was a truth or dare gum. And so on that piece of gum, it said, take a photo of whatever is behind you. And so he looked in his rear view mirror and lo and behold, there is a person on the freeway with the baby stroller, like just, you know, chilling and, and jogging along. And he was like, oh my gosh, I, 
I mean, this is too good. I have to turn around and figure out what's going on here. So he pulled over and said, hey, my name is, you know, George. I had this this piece of gum and it said to look behind me. And so I, I did and I saw you and I just wanted to say hi. He was part of a running community in Utah, and so with his help, I, I got shoe sponsorships and food sponsorships, so I was in really good shape. And then he passed me off to another run club and another run club, and there was this handoff of like, oh yeah, I know someone in the next city, and I know someone in the city over after that, and, and let me put you in touch with my cousin, or let me put you in touch with my friend. Right as I got to um, the salt flats, they did this incredible thing where they didn't want me to sleep out on the salt flats. So there were people who drove two hours to come and get me and then have me stay with their family and then drop me off the next morning. I never had to be alone crossing the salt flats. So it turned out that this huge uh, obstacle that I thought was going to be crazy, I thought I was going to have to pack enough water for four days because I'd be out there all alone. It turned out to be one of the easier parts of my journey, and it was all because of one gum wrapper and good timing on the freeway. Five months after dipping her feet in the Atlantic Ocean, Christina set out on her last day. It was not as, I guess, momentous as you would think it would be. The last day of my run, it was much more meditative than anything because I had known that I was going to make it. Um, for quite a while there. My last doubt had been in Wyoming, and especially once I had made it to California, it was just a matter of time. The last couple miles, it was really quiet because it was a foggy morning, and then of course I had all of my family and friends join me to run the last three miles with me, and my dad was waiting at the finish line with flowers, and I got to run through a streamer that said, hey, you made it 3,128 miles coast to coast. There were reporters there, and I, I went in the water, and I hugged everybody, and then we went and had like a really fun party. And like everybody was saying, oh, are you really excited? And I would say, well, I'm, I'm glad that I did it, but I'm not excited that it's over. Because when you're running, you see the best in everybody and you see the best in the world and you see the best in yourself. And there wasn't a lot of excitement in me to give that up because I knew what I had been like before the run and I wasn't sure that I wouldn't be that person again after the run. So... It was very mixed um, that it was over, that like I had this amazing experience, but I was going to move on to something else. And I was just wondering, can the thing that comes next be as great as the thing that I just did? And was it? Yeah, actually, <laughs> it was. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that um, for me personally, I take away from that run is that it changed the way I think at such a fundamental level that it, it carries through. Christina now lives in San Francisco, where she works at a tech startup. Because I became so much more accepting of myself when I became more um, in tune with who I was, it just made it more enjoyable to be in a city with other people because I wasn't trying to, to put them down to, you know, boy myself. 
And so what I learned from the run makes the rest of the world much more like the run because there are things where I would never look for the good in them before, but I do now. And by seeing the good in them, it makes them good. Like I had this moment where I bought a new pair of pants and right as I was in a meeting with all of these male coworkers, I looked down to see that there was a hole like near the crotch area and I was mortified. But the thing that came from that is that I went next door to the seamstress that I've never talked to before. And now every single day I walk out my door, I wave to her. So I traded this like weird, embarrassing, mortifying experience for, you know, years worth of smiles and waves on my morning commute. Christina's run raised more than $50,000 for the Navy SEAL Foundation. And it turns out raising a lot of money for a charity was also on her bucket list. Our storyteller was Christina Lee. After the run, she promised her parents she'd knock some of the tamer items off her bucket list. Right now, she's learning to play the guitar. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends about it. And if you have a story to tell, get in touch through our website, humannaturepodcast.org. I'm Caroline Ballard. The show was produced by Ryan Oberhelman, Anna Rader, and Micah Schweitzer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.